Hey everyone, my name is Jonathan Brooke and this is Eyes Only. Inside the chamber of the Central Criminal Court of England and Wales, a controversial and harsh sentencing verdict comes down, one that would shock the country. In a court hearing, closed off from the public and shielded from any press, the longest non-life sentence a British court had ever passed down is given to George Blake. 42 years behind bars for his crimes. The verdict shocked people inside the courtroom. In a twist of fate, George Blake had been betrayed by Michael Golinevsky, a Soviet spy who the CIA had flipped to work for them. The extent of the damage one man had inflicted would start to be revealed. The Berlin Tunnel is just a part of it. The number of agents he betrayed is massive. In an interview, Blake talks about what he gave to the KGB. He says this. He says, I don't know what I handed over because it was so much. Later on in that same interview, he would make a chilling claim, one that cannot be proven. He would say that he gave up the identities of almost every agent working for MI6 at the time. What that actually means is unclear. He claims a number of people around 500. Dick White, who ran MI6, has spoken about what Blake did to the agency. He claims that Blake gave away the MI6's order of operation details, essentially their entire battle plan. Safe houses, almost 5,000 pages of documents, negotiating positions at conferences, and material that could be used for blackmail purposes against his own people. According to KGB counterintelligence officer Alexander Sokolov, Blake provided the names of 60 agents sent into Communist Europe during the 1950s. The list keeps growing. Author Simon Cooper makes a statement in an interview about his book The Happy Trader, a biography of George Blake. He says the number is unknown, but MI6 believed that 40 people had been executed due to George Blake's betrayal. There were discussions within top leadership on whether or not to assassinate Blake. MI6 was considering bumping him off. The decision to publicly try him was made. Killing a British citizen on British soil seemed like a bad idea. If they knew the future, perhaps they would have chosen to do so. In the end, Blake would be convicted. Yet what is remarkable is how close he came to getting away with all of it. In a room, a group of interrogators sit and wait. Their job has not started yet. At this point, they are unsure if it will. They are agents with Britain's special branch. They are there to get a confession out of Blake. One floor up, above where they sit, MI6's Russian specialist grills Blake, trying to get the truth out of him. Yet Blake won't crack. He denies everything. The clock is ticking. Without a confession, the British government doesn't have enough to prosecute him. Even a confession to MI6 is not enough. The special branch is there to record a confession that will hold up in court. The case is slipping away. The second day of questioning is passing by without anything usable. Putting him on trial with charges that won't stick is not an option. The plan bore out of frustration is to put Blake on a plane to Moscow and tell him to never come back. 
That is, until on the third day, Blake makes a crucial mistake. A mistake born out of ideological pride and zealousness. His interrogators level with him. They tell him they understand why he did it. They know he was tortured in Korea, and that it was not his fault that he turned on Britain. The Koreans made him do it, and that they understand. This strikes a nerve. Blake is an idealist. He believes deeply in the communist system he has given up so much for. He breaks. For him, his reputation means more than his freedom, so he tells them the truth. He blurts it out in a statement that shocks his interrogators. He tells them that he did it on his own accord. The Koreans didn't make him do it. That he wasn't tortured. That he had decided to do it on his own. He is half a day away from being released. Yet in a fit of zealous ideological anger, he seals his fate. The special branch springs into action as Blake sets the record straight on why he did what he did. He almost got away with it. Now, he is heading to Wormwood Scrubs Prison to serve the longest non-life sentence that a British citizen has ever received. The cell door shuts behind George Blake. The Official Secrets Act of 1911 has a maximum sentencing limit of 14 years. To get around this, his activities have been spread over five different time periods, allowing for five different sentences, altogether adding up to 42 years behind bars. In a strange way, the bars holding him inside Wormwood Scrubs' fabled walls open up a side of Blake that he had kept hidden. Unburdened from the weight of his lies, he was free now to be who he viewed himself as. A true ideological communist, his fellow cellmates would soon learn to love him. Blake would spend his time teaching prisoners how to speak the many languages he was fluent in. He would spend hours transcribing letters for prisoners who were illiterate and wanted to write to their families. Those within the walls of Wormwood Scrubs saw someone different than who was portrayed by the newspapers. They saw a kind, considerate man. A man who did not appear like someone who had so much blood on his hands. Perhaps that is because George Blake claimed to never want that to be the case. Blake believed in the KGB and the handlers who he worked with. He trusted them. He would be lifelong friends with his handler. Yet they had lied to him. From the very beginning, they had built his trust around a lie. His work was centered around a promise. A promise that no one he gave up would ever be killed or even harmed. A promise that we know was broken. Thus is the complex enigma of a person that is George Blake. In Wormwood Scrubs, even the wardens grew to like him. Within a year, he was taken off the list of security risk inmates. A decision that would prove a mistake. On October 22nd, 1966, with the help of people he had met in prison, Blake broke the bars of a window, scaled the compound walls, and escaped from Wormwood Scrubs. In a hidden compartment built into an RV, he was smuggled to the East German border where he would walk to freedom. He would spend the rest of his life living in Russia and would pass away at the age of 98 in the year 2020, leaving behind a legacy that is shrouded in mystery. 
MI6 has not released much of its files on him. Most historians believe it would be embarrassing for the agency. He is remembered as one of the last of Britain's ideological double agents, a man blinded by faith in a system that he would outlive. The world he longed for was never achieved. The truth is that Vivian Holt on that burial hill in North Korea had been wrong. Communism would not end up being the world's future. George Blake leaves behind two separate legacies. He is viewed as a traitor who betrayed his friends, a man who destroyed the lives of hundreds. Yet there is another legacy he leaves behind. Perhaps it can be best described in a quote from a man who risked everything to break Blake out of prison, and the reason why he did it. Sean Burke had this to say about a man he viewed as a friend. You could not help but like him. Virtually everyone at the prison, both inmates and authorities, were deeply impressed by Blake's charm and good manners, and by his humanitarian concern for the well-being of his fellow man. As it is with most things during the Cold War, there really isn't just one perspective. Few people's stories showcase that as much as George Blake's. It seems inconceivable that both legacies could be true. The gray area that spies operate in can make it hard to find clear-cut answers. We often seek to comprehend things from start to finish, categorize them as right or wrong. Perhaps we should, yet when it comes to stories like George Blake's, the truth can be murky. Historians have tried to figure out what Blake did or did not know. Historian and author Simon Cooper interviewed Blake near the end of the former spy's life. Cooper asked him if he had any regrets. Blake admitted feeling regret for how his actions had negatively affected his family. He also showed remorse for what he had done to his colleagues in Britain. Yet he never acknowledged that anyone he betrayed was ever hurt. He claimed that the promise made to him by the Soviets had been kept. In the end, how do you know if a person like Blake is telling the truth? If he really believed what he told Simon Cooper in that interview, then it certainly seems like he lied to himself the most. Thanks for listening.